بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 18th 17th of june in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 55th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion sayyidina abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu so as promised to mention another report with regards to the illustrious first 10 days of Zulhijjah. So this possibly may be the last night of Zulqa'dah and tomorrow night we will find out on Sunday whether the month has begun. So to mention how the Salaf treated these blessed days. So there's a report. The Hadith is recorded in Darimi in his Sunan number 1809, Bayhaqi in his Shu'ab al-Iman number 3572, and is graded Hassan in Irwa Ul-Ghalil number 890, Tarheem number 1807. Mujahid Rahmatullah he said, Once the 10 days started, Sa'id ibn Jubair Rahmatullah would exert in worship so much so that it was almost beyond his capability. Once the 10 days started, Sa'id ibn Jubair rahmatullah would exert in worship so much so it was almost beyond his capability. So here one of the famous Tabi'een uh, Sa'id ibn Jubair famous student of Abdullah ibn Abbas he, his worship was so immense anyway but in these 10 days the people who witnessed it They thought he's taken on too much because it was almost beyond him. So how was he treating these days? He was treating these days with great veneration and great love and affection. And it's also very interesting to point out that the famous hadith I mentioned in Sayyid Bukhari where the Prophet was asked about these days and he goes, it's greater than even doing jihad in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that chain is Sa'id ibn Jubair. <laughs> so Sa'id ibn Jubair relates from Ibn Abbas, from Ibn Abbas, the Prophet So note the people in the chain, they, they didn't just relate the report. They valued everything which came from the lips of our beloved Messenger. And the other point which I need to make quickly is that if you are offering a Qurbani, then tomorrow may be the last day in which you can cut or trim. So anything you need to do, any unwanted hair, make sure it's done by tomorrow. Otherwise, the sunnah would be uh, left. So, we're on the section now where I believe I'm answering the question, from whom should one acquire the sacred knowledge? And then I mentioned that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who mentioned the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So in another report it mentions <clears throat> Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu he said you people must follow us because if you do not you shall go astray <laughs> you people must follow us because if you do not you shall go astray this is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad Al-Haytami in Majma'a Az-Zawaid, volume 1, page 191, comments upon the chain of the latest. 
Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4.795 of the New English Translation. So Imran ibn Hussein, another very famous companion of our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he is advising the people around him. He goes, you must follow us, meaning you've got no choice. If you do not follow us, you will stray. <laughs> so notice again, echoing the statement of the great Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu and also in Tanbih al-Mukhtarin, number 85, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu, he relates about the majestic companions radiyallahu ta'ala, the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa they wore more coarse clothing than you, but their hearts were softer. There will come a time when people will wear fine clothing, but their hearts will be coarse and hard. So here, what was the great Ibn Masood now highlighting Radiallah? He said, outwardly, the companions, Radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they would wear very rough clothing, which you would find hard to wear, like wool. But their hearts were the softest. But then he says, you will come across a time when people will wear fine clothing, but their hearts will be coarse and hard. <coughs> and of course, this is the time that we are certainly experiencing now. Hence, both outwardly and inwardly, the blessed companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, set the standard. I should have mentioned yesterday, there's a very famous report. The hadith is in Sayyid Muslim, Ibn Majah and Mishkat, and our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he does not look at your face or your wealth and your figures. He looks at your hearts and deeds. So this is the meaning of the hadith. What is the first place that Allah the Almighty and Glorious looks at? The heart. Because if the heart is not sound, then the deed will be rejected. So why is that narration relevant to what I mentioned yesterday from the great Ibn Mas'ud? Because what did he say? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked into the hearts of the creation after the heart of Muhammad and found the hearts of his companions to be the best. So note, Allah looked, he always looks at the hearts first, but he chose these hearts. So note again, this is why they were the standard bearers of the glorious deed. Conversely, Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud, he warned radiyallahu, Nay, none of you should blindly follow his religion from any man. Thus, if he is saved, he is also saved. And if he disbelieves, he also disbelieves. Remember, there is no example to be followed in evil. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Abd al-Barrahmatullah in his Jami Bayan al-Ilm, number 1882 or 2-988. So what was the great Ibn Masood saying here, radiyallahu? He was saying that you should not get so attached to a person that you follow him without question. If you do, he goes, you will also swerve into his errors. And his error may be so grave, he might even enter into unbelief and you will follow. He goes, there is no example to be followed in evil. And there's very famous reports from Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Ali. He goes, you should not be attached to a person like a child is to the mother. In other words, there's a limit to the attachment. The only one you attach yourself wholeheartedly to is Rasulullah. Thus the keeper of secret Sayyidina Hudayfa, he warned one and all Radiallahu, do not perform any worship 
which the companions of Rasulullah did not perform. <laughs> Do not perform any worship which the companions of Rasulullah did not perform. <laughs> this is recorded by Hafiz al Shatibi in his Al I'ti song, volume 1, page 310, and Mufti Abdul Rahim Lashpuri in his Fatawa Rahimiya, volume 1, page 310 of the English translation. So, how simple the advice. <laughs> The one who had the knowledge of the hypocrites, he said, your worship should always be from the companions. So any worship you are doing, is it from the companions of the Prophet Because if it's not, don't do it. He goes, don't perform any worship which the companions of the Prophet did not perform. Simple formula. If only the Muslims would take these priceless instructions to heart, their differences would simply fade like the sun melts ice. Class. Mm. Now what's strange? If you ask that question, the guy takes offense. See, mm. brother, did the Sahaba do it? Don't you trust me? Why are you getting angry for, brother? He's not asking you an impolite question. He's asking the reason you're getting irritated because you know the Sahaba didn't do it. So instead of saying, as far as I know, I don't think they did it. Because you know the following question. <laughs> Do you love Hudayfa? Of course we love Hudayfa. <laughs> I'm not a Rawafid. Because what did he say? Don't perform any worship which the companions did not perform. <laughs> Meaning, as if to say, who do you think you are? <laughs> what have you discovered with your enlightened knowledge that the ones who were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't know? <laughs> Thus, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he instructed one and all, radiyallahu, people will always remain upon righteousness and steadfastness, just as long as their knowledge of the deen comes from the companions of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa and from their seniors. However, as soon as it starts coming from their juniors, they will all be destroyed. <laughs> This is in Tabarani in his Ausat, Tabarani in his Kabid, Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar Rahmatullah in his Jami Bayan al Ilm, volume 1, page 159, Al Hatami in Majma al Zawaid, volume 1, page 135, states Sahih, Ayat al Sahaba, volume 4, page 719 of the New English Translation. So here now, Ibn Masood radiallahu anhu is clarifying further. He goes, You will always be upon righteousness and steadfastness. Now, what's interesting about his statement? One of the greatest things that we need. And we beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for is istiqama, uh, steadfastness. Why? Because the Prophet said, most will not remain steadfast. The Prophet actually said that in a hadith in Tirmidhi, most people will not have steadfast because they'll be strong and then they'll become weak. Ibn Masood, look what he's told you, he gave you a secret. People will always remain upon righteousness and steadfastness. Mm-hmm. You will have istiqamah as well. How? As long as your knowledge of your religion comes from two. Mm-hmm. Comes from the companions of Rasulullah and from their seniors. As soon as it starts to come from your juniors, you will all be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So now who is he referring? So we know who the Sahaba are, radiallahu ta'ala, who are the seniors. In another report, he clarified further. You people will remain in good stead 
just as long as the knowledge of your religion remains in the custody of your seniors. However, as soon as it's entrusted to the juniors, you will notice they will start to regard the seniors as fools. Recorded by Hafiz ibn Abdul Barrahmatullah in his Jami Bayan al Ilm, volume 1, page 159, Hayat al volume 4, page 719 of the New English Translation. So he's explaining the great Ibn Mas'ud. He goes, If your deen is in the custody of your seniors, that means that you turn to them. He goes, You will be in good shape. But if it's entrusted to the juniors, look what he said, isn't this so true? You will start to regard the seniors as fools. How true? For how many upstarts are seen in today's day and age slandering such towering personalities of our glorious Ummah? Skin shuddering statements such as the following Sayyidina Umar would not pass an Akida exam in today's day and age due to the intricacies that have developed. You know, I don't want to mention any names, very famous, you know, on the circuit. He said that, I heard, I saw it with my own eyes. He said he failed the exam. He doesn't know the intricacies. Another blasphemous statement. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud forgot some of the prophetic sunnah, such as combining salat and rafa'ud din during salat. So the seniors become the fools. What did Ibn Masood say? You turn to the juniors, you'll notice immediately they will treat the seniors as fools. Another example. Imam Abu Hanifa was not only weak in hadith, but he's also unreliable. So think about it. He was reliable as an imam, but in hadith he's weak. How does that make any sense? He only knew 17 hadith. You know, Abu Hadith knows a hundred thousand chains and Imam Abu Hadith knows 17 hadiths. How did he bypass the Muhaddith stage? So again, making the seniors fools. The question to pose to these buffoons is, who really are the fools? So now think about that. What did Rasulullah say about Ibn Masood sallallahu alayhi wa Believe whatever he tells you. What has he told us? If you take your juniors as your custody of your deen, they will start to regard the seniors as fools. Again, we're not into camps, but who are the ones who you notice belittle the imams? So we know we see it. They can say, Rasmatullah, day and night, but they're disrespecting them. Why? That's the question. What's caused that? Not, you know, we want to know, I don't want to be, I don't want that illness. Because you turned to the juniors, you made them the custody. So we respect all the ulama. But you ask some of these Muslims, who are the custodian of your deen? And they mention three scholars. You know, and this is not to disrespect them. It was Sheikh bin Baz, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, and Sheikh Albani, Rahimahullah. So then you say, so they, they're your custodians. He goes, yeah. Then you say, right. I understand now. <laughs> what do you understand? What Ibn Masood was telling us. <laughs> and you will hear the people disrespecting the scholars. <laughs> because they didn't know. 
you know, leave alone the blessed scholars. They don't even spare the Sahaba. <laughs> Think about that. Umar didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> and they just say as if it's like a, what do you do, see? He goes, he didn't know. He, you know, he, we followed the Sunnah. <laughs> and then he goes, if there was a Prophet after me, it would have been Umar. That's what the Prophet said. So do you think he'd say that and he doesn't know the Sunnah? <laughs> Ibn Masood, he goes, oh no, he goes, he, you know, he left the mashur. <laughs> and then you go, subhanallah. Now what's very interesting, I want to highlight this. One of the tabi'in, whose name escapes me, he said, I sat with the sahaba. And he goes, I noticed that all of their knowledge came from six. But when I studied further with them, I realized all of their knowledge came from two. Ali and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud So this is a hadith I mentioned a few weeks prior How is that related to the Hanifi fiqh? The Hanifi fiqh Imam Abu Hanifa was based in Iraq Who were the seniors he took the knowledge from? He took it first from Ibn Mas'ud who came first to as the Imam there and then later Amir al-Mu'minin Ali so now what did the Tabi'in say? All of the knowledge was from those two. So when somebody says to you, only a few Sahaba went to Iraq, your response is, why are you making it into numbers? If Ali and Ibn Masood went somewhere, that means the entire knowledge has gone there. And there you go. So the Hanafi fiqh is based heavily upon the rulings or the understanding of Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Ibn Masood. And again, notice that if you look at the Muslims who venerate the true ulama, they never find fault with the other scholars. They respect their verdicts. Because these are great ulama, we respect what they've said. Indeed, we are living at the time which the majestic Abdullah ibn Masood warned about when he said, There is not a year except that the year that comes after it is worse than it. However, I do not say it is a year followed by a year with less rain or a year followed by a year with less crops nor a leader followed by a worse leader rather it is due to the disappearance of your scholars and your virtuous ones then there will appear people who will judge matters according to their opinions so they will destroy Islam and damage it as a result, they will not command with the good nor forbid the evil, and with that they will be destroyed. <laughs> so let's look at this. So this is recorded in Darimi in his Sunan number 194 or 1-279. <coughs> in his Al-Madkhal number 205, graded Hassan, Imam Sayyuti Rahmatullah in his Jamiul Hadith number 40,429. Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar Rahmatullah in his Jami Bayan al Ilm number 2007. Ibn Wadda in his Kitab al-Bid'ah number 78 or 1-17 Al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawaid number 849 Hafiz ibn Hajar al in Fatta al-Bari 13-26-7 stated Jayyid So in this authentic report the great Ibn Mas'ud he was saying famously at the beginning times gonna get worse every year that passes will get worse and he goes I'm not talking about blessings in terms of rain and crops and because I'm talking about the death of scholars and the virtues. Because then what will happen? People will appear and they will judge according to their opinions. Now why are they turning to opinions? 
because they haven't got knowledge. Mm. So then they think that goes to their head, they'll start mentioning. They will destroy Islam, they will damage it. Mm. Now think about it. How many things are being said on the public platform and is actually causing harm to the deep? So for instance, when you talk about the age of Aisha, marrying Rasulullah, what do you hear on the platforms? Six, she was engaged. Nine, she was the marriage consummated. All over the place. So then you think, why is that? being propagated. There you go. People narrating, just narrating. So the kofar, they have a field there. Because, oh, your prophet married children. And then the gymnastics start, no, it's a hotter climate, and then they mature quickly, and this, that, and the other. Before you start talking like that, is this established? And then goes, yeah, there's a hadith in Bukhari. And then you say, mashallah, yes, and so what? He goes, what's the understanding? We don't know the hadith. What's the understanding? And when you go through all of the relevant details, you realize it's not as simple as what you're saying. Her age was actually much, she was older when she got engaged. She was around the age of 16 and the marriage was consummated at the age of 19. So what did Ibn Basud say? People will appear who will judge matters according to their opinions. They will destroy Islam, damage it. Everything he's saying, we're witnessing. Then he said, and look how interesting. As a result, they will not command the good or forbid the evil. And they will be destroyed. So why have they stopped enjoying the good, forbidding the evil? Because they end up debating. Debate is not enjoying the good, forbidding the evil. Enjoying the good, forbidding the evil is calling to Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger. That Allah Islam on the glorious deen. And just to finish, one of the reasons for this is that these shallow scholars, in inverted commas, Relate to others what they simply are not ready for. Mm-hmm. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, Radiyallahu, Ma anta bi muhaddithin qawman hadithan la tabluhuhu uquluhum illa kana li ba'dihim fitnata. You will never narrate a hadith to people that is beyond their grasp, except it will be a source of fitna for them. This is in Sayyid Muslim, number 13, in the chapter on narrating from the trustworthy. I just mentioned the hadith in Bukhari, 6 and 9. Has that caused fitna? Why don't you turn to Ibn Masood? What did he say? Do you believe in his speech? He goes, you will never narrate a hadith to people, key point, that is beyond their grasp, except it will be a source of fitna for some of them. Meaning, you are now doing something which is detrimental. You may have not even understood the hadith yourself and you're narrating it to others, further spreading the poison. So again, he's warning. And unfortunately, we're living in that time. And just to add this very quickly, in Sayyid Bukhari, what did our Mawla say? Sayyidina Ali. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu said, inform mankind only of those things which they can grasp. For would you like that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger be denied? So think about the Sayyidina Ali Karramallahu Waj. He said in Sayyid Bukhari, You can cause people to deny Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger. You, not a kafir, you. And isn't that true? How many people have been prevented from the deen because of hearing something erroneous? 
You know how many people, let me put it bluntly, have not entered into Islam because they think, Audhu Billah, the Prophet was a pedophile. Well done, mate. Shake my hand. You've caused it. And then you get out the whole world now, here on a six and nine, hot climber, hot climber, right? Hot climber. There's something along your head. Astaghfirullah. And what did Hazrat Ali say? Inform mankind only of those things that which they can grasp, or would you like that Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger be denied? Thus, if you speak to people about things which they simply cannot comprehend, you may then prompt them into making blasphemous statements or even rejection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us. <laughs> so, all I mentioned again today was now who do we take our knowledge from? Very important. And the great Ibn Mas'ud and of course the other great companions told us where to find the knowledge. And they warned us of the pitfalls which we're experiencing on a global scale now. Are there any questions, Philadelphia?